0: If you're interested in listening ad-free, go to patreon.com slash the SCP Experience. There you can enjoy my ad-free podcast and never have to listen to ads again. That's patreon.com slash the SCP Experience. Now time for the story. Knowing what I know now, seeing what I've seen happen to my friends and my brother, my only wish is that I hadn't listened. I should have never listened to my little brother when he told me he was trying to kill him, but I can't unhear what I've heard. I can't unsee what I've seen. And now it's just a matter of time before it gets me. And if you know what's good for you, you'll stop listening to this right now. I shouldn't even be telling this story, but I'll do my best to keep you, whoever you are, safe. Though I make no guarantees. So please stop listening now for your own safety. It all started on the lake. It was a perfect day for swimming, and my friend John had invited me and some other people out on his dad's boat. There were five of us, including my little brother, Seth, who usually loved swimming. It's important that you understand this about Seth. I'd been taking care of him for most of my life because he had Asperger's, but it's not like he was a burden or anything. I mean, he could be a handful at times, but all my friends knew and liked him. We were a package deal. And even though he was several years younger than us, he was as much a part of our group as any other member. Seth had been acting strange all day, but things just got worse when we got out on the water. John was driving this medium-sized motorboat while Tiffany and Emily were trying to help me calm Seth down. He kept mumbling something I couldn't make out. Finally, I asked John to stop the boat. He did, and we floated there on the greenish water, the summer sun beaming down on us in the open top boat. With the motor off, I could finally hear Seth clearly. He was saying, I don't want to go in the water. You don't have to go in the water, buddy, I said. Not if you don't want to, but the rest of us are going to. You can stay in the boat, okay? Have a snack from the cooler, read your books. That seemed to calm Seth down. I hung out with him in the boat for a little while as the other three swam around in the lake next to the boat. And when I was confident Seth was over his outburst, I jumped in myself. We'd been out on the water for two hours or so when I dried off and sat down next to Seth, who was staring at the girls goofing around in the water. You want to get in? I asked. It'll be okay. It's safe, believe me. Nothing has happened to us, so I'm sure it's safe for you. Seth nodded. I read a story, he said, about a sea monster. Uh Uh-oh, I said playfully. Another one of your internet stories? Must've been a good one to freak you out so much. I wrapped an arm around his neck and jostled (laughs) him gently, making him laugh. I want to get in, he said, a determined look on his face. He wasn't about to let some silly story keep him from doing something he loved. It's hard to describe the swell of pride I felt for him then the rush of love for this kid that had been born different, making his life harder than most people. I looked at him for a long time, then mussed up his hair and told him to go for it. Seth whooped as he jumped off the back of the boat and into the water. I watched him from where I sat. John and the girls cheered him on when he popped back up to the surface. I was glad he was having fun. Then he disappeared under the murky surface of the water, as if sucked under by some incredible force. I shot up from my seat, looking at the area of bubbling water where he'd just been. What happened? I don't know, John said. I looked frantically around, calling out my brother's name, even though he was clearly still under the water somewhere. Deciding to dive in after him, I stepped over onto the back of the boat. Just as I was about to jump, a splashing sound from the front of the boat caught my attention. I spun around to see Seth, coughing and splashing beyond the bow of the boat help he called out i moved to the front of the boat and jumped in the water john helped me get seth in he had a couple of cuts on his legs but they weren't too deep they wouldn't need stitches what happened i asked him john and the girls were standing around in the boat waiting for an answer just as i was seth shook his head i want to go home he said okay buddy Let's go home. I invited everyone back to our little house in town to watch a movie and hang out. Once we put John's dad's boat back in its slip, that's where we headed. We all carpooled in my SUV. On the ride back, Seth told us that he'd been pulled under the water by the creature from his story. He said that he'd come to the surface again, but not in the lake. He'd been in a vast, gray ocean. And then he described the creature to us claiming that it was stalking him, trying to kill him. Right when the creature leaped out of the ocean to close its jaws around him, he ducked under to try to escape. And when he came to the surface again, he was back in the lake. I can't tell you we believed what he said, but we were all silent after he finished the story. We'd all seen something we couldn't explain. There was no way Seth could have pulled himself under the water so quickly. It just wasn't possible. But then again, Neither was being magically transported to and from an ocean with a giant sea creature that, well, I shouldn't say anymore. I don't want you to experience what came next. I don't wish it on anyone. The mood lightened when we got back to the house that Seth and I shared. We started snacking, and I put on a movie in the background. Pretty soon, Seth came up to me and beckoned me away from the others. He whispered in my ear, I want to take a bath you help me? I looked at him. What do you mean? You take baths just fine all by yourself, Seth. I'm afraid the creature will get me. I want you to hold my hand while I wash off. I looked at him closely to see if he was pulling my leg. He was quite the joker when he wanted to be, but I could tell that he was dead serious. So I agreed. We went into the hallway bathroom, where he'd already drawn the bath. And something very strange happened when I stepped into that bathroom and looked at the water in the bathtub. I had a vision of the creature Seth had described. In the vision, I was fully submerged in murky water. My eyes were open and looking down into the dark depths of the ocean. And out of those depths, the creature emerged, moving impossibly fast, its terrible eyes locked on me, teeth ready to chop down, and I shrugged it off putting it down to the strange happenings of the day. I should have known then. I should have heeded that vision, but I didn't. Seth undressed and got into the bathtub. He wouldn't sit down in the tub until I held his hand. So I kept my gaze averted and stuck out my hand. Taking it, he settled down into the water. I sat on the toilet, talking to him about plans for the evening while he washed with one hand. I was in the middle of asking him what he wanted for dinner When he yanked on my hand so hard, he pulled me off the toilet and halfway into the tub. My hand slammed into the bottom of the tub, sending a jolt of pain up my arm. I pulled myself up, staring at a tub full of soapy water, but no Seth. The water splashed back and forth, some of it spillage over the edge. He was gone. Just like that, he disappeared. I ran out of the bathroom and told my friends about it. They searched the entire house, sure I was mistaken, but their efforts yielded nothing. Meanwhile, I sat in the bathroom, staring at the water-filled tub, willing Seth to return like he did at the lake, but he never did. I filed a police report, but the cops thought I was crazy. I think they even suspected that I did something to my brother. Two days passed while I did nothing but sit in my house, checking on the bathtub every 10 minutes, afraid to drain the water out of it. Then Tiffany called me and said that Jonathan was dead. How did he die? I asked her, already knowing the answer. They don't know, Tiffany said sobbing. He was swimming alone in his parents' pool. One moment his mom looked out and saw him swimming. When his mom looked out next, the pool was filled with blood and little bits of him, like something had ripped him apart. I couldn't speak. Something had ripped him apart. I knew it. Tiffany knew it, and Emily knew it. The three of us gathered at Tiffany's apartment to discuss what was happening, to try and figure out how we could stop it. I haven't bathed since Seth disappeared, I told them. This is how it gets you, through the water. I think you need to be fully submerged, though, or at least close to it. Emily nodded. I usually swim at the women's YMCA for my workout, but I couldn't even get near the pool without picturing that thing that Seth told us about. It's just like hearing about it has made us targets for it or something. This is ridiculous," Tiffany said. Something else is at work here. I don't know what, but something. There's no way just hearing about a creature can make it real. It's not possible. Then how do you explain it?" Emily asked. I'd like to hear your explanation for Seth disappearing in a bathtub and John getting ripped apart in a residential pool. Tiffany just shook her head. We ate dinner at Tiffany's house around seven and then sat around in the kitchen, trying and failing to talk about other things. Eventually, Tiffany got up to wash the dishes in the sink. She was bending over, hands in the soapy water, when she started screaming. Emily and I looked over just in time to see her sucked violently into the dishwater. Emily screamed and scrambled away, but I just sat there in a stupor I'd been wrong about being fully submerged. This thing could get you anywhere, I realized. A glass of water wasn't safe. A puddle on the street could end my life. Maybe even being caught in a rainstorm would be enough. I don't know, all the rules are gone now. This creature stands in defiance of everything I thought I knew about reality. So that's why I'm making this recording, to alert others. I've kept from describing the creature because I think that's how it gets you. This all started after Seth described it to us on the way back from the lake, and whatever story he read on the internet must have described it. It's like a virus passed through words. Emily is still alive, if that's what you can call the way we live. I don't drink water any longer, only other liquids, and only tiny little bits at a time. I haven't bathed properly in a month. I use cleansing wipes to clean myself, and I never leave the house when it's supposed to rain. I've lost my job and my money is quickly running out, but I don't know how to stop this thing. I should have never listened to my brother. I wish to God I hadn't, but I can't unhear what I've heard and I can't unsee the visions of the creature in my mind. But the one thing I can do is warn you. So be careful what you read and be careful what you hear because it could kill you. SCP-1128 is an entity that manifests as a massive aquatic predator to anyone given a full description of the being's appearance through either spoken and or written descriptions or visual depictions. Persons infected by SCP-1128 will initially exhibit no abnormal behavior, though some cases show a general aversion to activities involving bodily immersion in water, such as bathing or swimming. Should the subject ever be fully immersed in water, they will disappear completely under the surface of the water, regardless of the water's actual depth. In some cases, subjects will reappear moments later in a panicked state and frantically try to leave the water, while in some other cases, the water will become polluted with blood and debris confirmed to be the remains of the subject. Subjects that have reappeared intact claim that they were transported to a vast ocean where they were pursued by SCP-1128. Interviews with these individuals carry some risk of further SCP-1128 contamination, as descriptions of the being's appearance trigger further infections.